You know, if they would have actually titled the Wonder Woman movie something like a, have some sort of subtitle on it, it would have been a I little. I know it's better. it's very hard to like search it's, it's, for it. Yeah, it's like fuck. Voices of Neil has just watched it. What do you think, Neil? That just... was awesome. <laughs> See, yeah, I told was... you, I told you, it was the it, it is the best one so far, isn't it? Yeah, it it cleansed the palate after Bath Batman Gotham Knights. Oh God, yes. And that's that's the thing about. Let me pull it up. The other one. Right? Yeah. Did you did you like the old crap joke? Yeah, that was that was wonderful. <laughs> and of course, see, I told I told Neil, oh, there's a scene where all these naked women are splashing each other playfully in the in in a pond, and Neil's like, what, really, <laughs> what? And then, and, then he, and then he saw it. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> My only once we get to see the way I look at it is Superman Doomsday sucked. New Frontier was great. Gotham Knight. It, it sucked. Sucked. Wonder Woman was great. Green Lantern First Flight was okay. It wasn't like it wasn't like horribly bad. I can never watch this again. It was better than the live action Ryan Reynolds movie by let's a, not, by a long shot. Yeah, let's yeah let's not go there. Um, right. I like I like Public Enemy simply because it is some of the original voice actors. Um, I, I have my own feelings on that, and I'm gonna we'll, we'll get to that eventually. I'm say that yeah. to the episode because. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, no, and that's fine. Uh, Crisis on Two Earths was great. Under the Red Hood was great. Apocalypse, the only horrible thing about that for me was the fact that Andre Brower is no Michael Ironside. I didn't care for All-Star Superman. Emerald Knights was good, and Year One was good. Okay, I'm going to save my thoughts for future episodes. Oh, I'm just, I, no, I know that, but I'm just saying that I don't hate them all. Well, I don't hate them all either. It's... All right, where, where is I mean, I mean, you have to do something really bad for me to hate it. Oh, hey. Hey, look. I suggested something for you guys, and look. The person's up for it. Uh, in addition to our Spotlight series that we're doing with Blanchard, and because I can't seem to get my MLP episode booked at the, at the moment, we'll be doing some extra special episodes in the coming weeks. The big one that we're doing is Video Game Aficionados, and I commented, try getting Dodd. And Dodd oh. replied back and said, I'm in if you want me. Well, we're going to be doing that tomorrow night. Oh, well, <laughs> well, if he's available, we we tried doing it last night, but it kind of we yeah. sort of went we sort of went all over the place because Neil wanted to focus on a very specific era of games, and we went everywhere. Yeah, well, what would happen also is that I listened what, to what it. What time are you guys doing it tomorrow night? Because I'm commenting on this on on this post again. Probably eight central. Eight central. Yeah. Well, yeah, a the lot of it was painful to listen to. I think becomes a lot. A lot of it was. You you know you kind of you change the subject really fast, <laughs> and a lot of times you you you'd say something and then you change the subject and a lot and what you hear is me in the background going, "Hey, I have a funny anecdote," and you just keep talking. <laughs> I'm sorry, Neil. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's 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 just so enjoyable talking to Kitty Hawk. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-released written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. 
Hello and welcome again to Animation Face Genados crossing over with uh, Tooncast Beyond. Uh, we are continuing our series of looking into DC animated uh, movie originals. Uh, we are doing Wonder Woman tonight. Uh, of course, you all know my co-host, TV Special. What is crap? Family Guy. <laughs> and of course, we do know also from Tooncast Beyond, uh, TFG1 Mike. Yes, I am here. And, yeah, uh, for Tooncast Beyond, this will be episode five. Uh, did you say animation aficionados, or did you say animation aficionados? It sounded like you said a face. I said aficionados. It sounded like you said a face. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, Wonder Woman 2009. I just saw this for the first time, <laughs> like yesterday. Wow. How can you deprive yourself for so long? And so I'm, I'm holding the box, and it's it's glorious. Wait, which box are you holding? The DC Universe animated original movie Wonder Woman yes, DVD box. Which box? There were there was the one disc. There was the two disc edition. Which box? The one disc. Oh, okay. So that's the brown background or the gold it's actually, background. It, it's, Yellow. It's actually, no, it's a, it's actually closer to uh, burgundy. Hmm. Uh, yes. Um, we got the color chart out. <laughs> and this is, this is really one of the best ones so far. Oh yeah. It is. So this actually, I, I would, I would go as far as saying this is the best one so far because what, what I love about it is it, 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 it is less about, it's less about comic books and more about mythology. And I think that's the best way to do a Wonder Woman origin story because you, you don't have to do things with uh, with supervillains outright. If you do things with Greek gods and Greek myths to, to start out with, it feels right when you do it this way. Not to mention you open the movie up with a fucking decapitation. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, talk about violence. I mean, didn't they have didn't they have Artemis like stab a guy in the chest like five times in the first two minutes? Yep. And of course, you also have. Uh, you have great voice actresses in this. I mean, I, mean, I think they got some of the best voice actresses in the in the industry, in any industry to work here. I mean, you had Tara Strong as as the brainy uh, redhead Alexa. Mm-hmm. Tara Strong playing a brainy redhead. I never see that before. First time for everything. Uh, <laughs> I'm making a joke. You had uh, Rosario Dawson as Artemis. You had the lady from CSI Las Vegas, Marg Helgenberger as Hera. Wow. Virginia Madsen as Hippolyta, and of course, Carrie Russell as uh, Princess Diana slash Wonder Woman. Um, for the male characters, you have Nathan Fillion as Steve Trevor, Alfred Molina as Ares, Oliver Platt as Hades, uh, David McCollum, again, he, sh- he keeps showing up in these movies as Zeus. I don't think David McCollum fits the booming voice that Zeus should be. And you also have uh, John DiMaggio playing Demos. Yes. Um, overall, the, uh, the the voice cast for this is great. Um, and yeah. it indeed is. And uh, since Neil just saw this, like, mere hours ago, I'll, I think Neil should be the one to, to uh, walk through. Go what, ahead. The floor is yours, what, Neil. Oh boy! Well, I'm I'm still kind of uh, <laughs> process. I, I, yeah, the, I I 
I'm thinking about the, the scene of the girls slashing each other in the in the pond and <laughs> Steve Trevor over in the bushes, you know, fapping away. Or... <laughs> yeah, and, this uh, this movie took the PG-13 rating to the extreme. Yeah, it's. But Neil, go ahead. The, I love. The, I love. First of all, I love all the jokes with the golden lasso of truth. Where they wrap it around him, and uh, he says, "I don't have to put up with this crap." And they're like, "What is crap?" And because he's because he's got the the lasso on him, he goes, it, "It's a, it's a euphemism for excrement." And <laughs> they're disgusted with him. And, yeah. then, and then and then they're like and then they're like and then Hippolyta sort of like jokingly you know just like daring him say, "Do you have any other foul things to say?" And he says, "Your dog's got a nice rack." <laughs> and yes, he says rack. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. I can only flash to a, a Steve Martin movie that I don't remember what the title of is it, but one of one of his kids in the movie says, Daddy, what's a rack? It's a country son. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And uh yeah, I'm still processing this, so uh <laughs> Well, from what I understand, a lot of this is based off of a uh, a screenplay that that Gail Simone wrote, yeah. which was later rewritten to be an animated movie. It was actually Gail Simone, from what I understand from the story, wrote a a screenplay for a live action Wonder Woman film, and I can definitely see it. I can definitely see it. It's uh, indefinitely. One thing I can see is. From a two-hour movie to a to a shorter animated movie, I can see where some trims were made. Like uh, they didn't explain the invisible plane, and I imagine that I imagine that if this was a a, a longer movie, they would explain that they took uh, Steve Trevor's existing plane and used uh, used Hephaestus to forge it into an invisible plane. That's how I would explain it away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I you know th- this movie was just so well done. The animation on it is great. The voice cast is great. The st- it tells a very solid story, and Steve Trevor as a sexist pig is kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, that guy could not stop making horrible, very sexist, over the top jokes. I love that he takes her to a bar and tries to get her drunk. And she drinks him under the table. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I knew what you were trying to do. <laughs> it's like, she calls him a lightweight. And then you have one of the most badass and somewhat sexy fight scenes ever where she's in that dress fighting the uh, fighting Demos. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And, they, and they're fighting in a and she's actually beating him up in in like in like a, a waiting pool in a mall. <laughs> You know what I've found about Wonder Woman in animation um, outside of uh, New Frontier, both in the Justice League cartoon and in this, she looks a hell of a lot sexier fighting in civilian clothes than her own uniform. Well, that's because it leads more to the imagination, and some people's imagination goes pretty far for them. Especially yours. <laughs> Come on, you were open for that, Ben. Honestly, I think this is, you know... I really enjoyed the hell out of Alfred uh, Molina as Ares. I mean, he pulled it off great. Oh, he did. And he was business in the front and party in the back. <laughs> that was he was oh, rocking Molina. a pretty good bullet. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, the, the scenes with Hades were creepy. 
I mean, I mean, I've never seen Hades this creepy before. I mean, when he was when he was uh, strutting around uh, Ares' dead son in front of him, just to sort of see what he'd do. Yeah, that wow. was creepy as hell. Well, that's that's also a bit of a you know magnificent bastard thing to do because Ares still needs him and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Are you still processing, Neil? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a way to describe the the story, and I'm just kind of going back to the pool. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. I keep getting distracted by all the uh, all the uh, kicking and uh, and uh, awesome uh, flips in the air and stuff like that. <laughs> well, it's. Very funny because I said earlier that this this movie took uh, the PG thirteen rating to the extreme. Apparently, according to Bru- producer Bruce Tim, during post production, many action scenes had to be edited after the first cut of the film received an R rating from the MPAA. Ooh, damn! Well, you would notice that when they did show a decapitation, the decapitation is always as a silhouette, mm-hmm. and they showed that they showed the disembodied head, but it's a close up shot of the head without showing, you know, the actual cut area. Yeah. So th- that was obvious to me that they did that, and I think it's obvious why they did that because they want because they were trying to push, you know, trying to push. Yes, it's a decapitation. We're not going to hide it, but they had to hide something or else because apparently you can show decapitation, but you can't show the wound from a decapitation. Yeah. You can have Django get his head cut off, and as long as you don't see any blood squirt out, it's okay. Yeah, when Boba picked up that helmet, that head should have slid right out onto his lap. Oh, <laughs> God. That would have gone. That would have gone a long way to describe why uh, to explain why why uh, Boba was so fucked up. Yeah, why he sucks, and he's like, "Oh, the Vidalia Belkum. Oh, okay." <laughs> um, Took the wrong turn in that Star Destroyer and ended up in the trash. Right? Um, <laughs> 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 oh, wow. One of the best jokes ever. Long story, folks. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh you know So anyway. Anyways, uh <laughs> where do we go from there? Nice Ben. We can't What well, I did like was the, was the scene of Diana riding the horse. You know, just the just you know, they really animated that you know, this this is back when the animation still had very expressive faces, you know? Right. And then that's one of the greatest things. I mean I always said that the Wonder Woman design in Justice League Depending on the animation studio, whenever they did her nose, it came off sometimes wrong. This time they had some they had a team that did it right. Yeah, but I mean, especially in like the Dark Heart episode of JLU, really, who should be looking at Wonder Woman's nose? Yeah, it, it, it's especially Ray Palmer, <laughs> considering where he was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> So with uh so what are your feelings on uh Tara Strong's character Alexa? I liked her. Um but then again I am a Tara Strong fanboy. I like almost anything that she does. Um it doesn't matter what she lends her voice to, she always does an amazing job. Uh, I think my problem with this movie is so much that outside of Justice League and outside of the original uh, Linda Carter television series, I know nothing of Wonder Woman. So just outside of my knowledges of both those series and this movie, I really know nothing other than that. Um, the creator of Wonder Woman is is a guy who invented the lie detector machine and 
was kind of a kinky fella. Well, it's obvious. I mean, Neil can't get his mind off the pool scene. <laughs> well, well, the, the actual guy who created Wonder Woman, he actually had his wife and his mistress. They they both lived all together, so they all and they he had them both always wear uh, silver bracelets at all times. And oh, interesting. Yes. Did I mention he invented the lie detector? Yes. Good old William Marston. Yep. Well, he made up for it by creating Wonder Woman. Yeah, and apparently the well, actually, the rights for with the the rights deal with the, with him and in DC back then National on publishing Wonder Woman is this: they can never not publish Wonder Woman. The month that they don't publish a book, they lose the rights. Wow. This version of Wonder Woman, along with the version in Justice League, the, along with the original TV series, are all versions I like. Um, I'm very glad that as much as a as a great TV producer and creator he is, I'm very glad that the David E. Kelly pilot never got picked up and got canceled. Um, yeah, there were there. It was not very good. I mean, did no. you read the script? There were like boob jokes. She's Wonder a Woman business woman in in a modern world that that's not Wonder Woman. And yeah, yeah, it's. But back to this movie, I love the character of Artemis, Artemis as well. Yeah, Artemis is was a great characterization. Um, it's very awesome. What about you, Neil? You got a favorite girl in this movie? Um, I'm just gonna say Wonder Woman. I mean, you you got a character who runs around in a in a skimpy little bathing suit bathing suit style uh, leotard, kicks a lot of ass, and seems to enjoy doing it. So, uh, <laughs> well, thumbs up for me. What I did enjoy was was uh, Persephone actually states, you know. There is a bit of a folly in the, you know, the Amazonian lifestyle of no men. Because, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, eventually some of these women are going to, you know, gonna want something, you know. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is, man. <laughs> I, I think I know what girls do when they want something and they're only girls around. <laughs> they smash each other in the pool? I think that's the problem of, of, of Themyscira is that different versions you have different rules like like every time it's used like in in justice league it was all women you know no men allowed in this it was pretty much the same thing but there were like hidden exceptions to the rule and then you go to uh apocalypse which we'll get to much later you know they're they're actually allowing men on the island which when i saw apocalypse and we'll get to this later obviously i'm jumping ahead of myself but when i saw that i was like wait that's not right why isn't anybody banning them? Um, I don't know. The moderators are sleeping, and the forum was full of trolls. <laughs> no, one of my one of my favorite uh, episodes of Justice League was the one where they uh, uh, were the virus. They had that virus that was infecting all the men. Fury uh, Part One and Part Two. Yeah, I love that episode because it really it really. Uh, Experimented with that uh, with that whole thing about men not being allowed on the island. Yeah, that was a pretty good episode. Yeah, it was. All right. So as far as what this movie made uh, compared to the other ones that we've covered so far in the spotlight, this one made seven million three hundred twenty-one thousand dollars, and it sold four hundred seventy uh, and change units. Uh, so I would say it made its money. Um, and a lot of people, just like us, a lot of people love this movie, and obviously. Who wouldn't coming off the heels of Gotham Matrix? Yeah. You know, 
Men with no dicks. <laughs> oh, so Fez from that '70s show. <laughs> oh, I thought oh. you were mentioning another Fez. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, oh God! I heard you say Fez. I'm like, wait, you don't even know Fez, Mike? He's gonna hear that, man. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about the guy from that '70s show. No, like I said, the only people who would hate this are men with no dicks. <laughs> uh, so what do we... Well, before we get into the rating, um, this this movie started the trend of uh, when they would do store exclusives, where uh, DC approached Mattel of doing little mini statue figures that they would include in the Best Buy special editions. Um I actually have one of these uh, from the Public Enemies DVD set. It's okay. It's a it's a statue. I mean, that's it. it it's a little mini statue. I mean, it's not even really an action figure. So, but that was a good way to promote the movie, I think. Uh, but one little note is, this movie is the one that actually, you know, from what I've read, this movie is the one that killed uh, the Marv Wolfman. Uh, you know, Teen Titans, the Judas Contract project, because the initial returns were way below what DC was expecting, yeah. and they decided to access and focus more on Batman and Superman-related projects only. Which, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, you know, as much as I love a lot of the stuff that Marv Wolfman has done in his career, I'm not a fan of Teen Titans at all. Well, you should read the original comics. Well... Because they're nothing like the cartoon series. Let me just put that right right, right. here right now. Okay, well, that's what I meant. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the animated series. And what the hell is that noise? Who's unwrapping candy? Yeah. No, nobody, but uh, what I'm... But, no, the, the Judas Contract project was not related to the cartoon series at all. It was going to be an original animated feature. It was going to use a Wolfman... It's gonna, it was going to use a Perez-esque art style. It was... It was going to be. It was going to try to be a very faithful adaptation of a comic book arc. Yes. Uh, so, as the IGN replacement crew, zero through four, what do we give this? Neil, four. Uh, ben, <laughs> it, it, I can't say four hard enough. Uh, yes, and I also give it a four. Uh, <laughs> he says with a sigh. No, no. I, well, I, you know, I, I can't really follow those jokes up. So. Uh, and it is on DVD. It's on one disc, two disc, and I believe it's also on Blu-ray. Um, the two disc edition, I think, has a couple of Wonder Woman episodes from Justice League. I, I can't be for sure. I don't have it. I don't have the the DVD in front of me, so I'm not too sure about that. Uh, so I guess we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna go to some really wacky ads, and we will come back with our final thoughts. Hopefully Neil can compose himself. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. You can now hear the GeekCast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear GeekCast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter GeekCast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. 
The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code KeyCast Radio when you register. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to TuneCast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find TuneCast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. I'm sorry, I just got tongue-tied. I was like, <laughs> okay, how do I how do I describe this story? Because that's that's really like the worst thing I'm really bad at is like. You tell me to write a synopsis. It'll I know, but what I while. loved was when I asked you, okay, Neil, describe Ava for me. He says, you have a whiny bitch. <laughs> and actually, a lot of people who review this say that the violence is unnecessary in this. I'm like, wait. And these are the same people who love Superman Doomsday. I'm like, actually, this showed very little blood compared to Superman Doomsday. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see anyone puking up blood in this movie. <laughs> nope. A bucket of blood. <laughs> I just resaw that scene. That's a lot of blood. Yeah, yeah. So we are back, and what's that up in the sky? Wait, we can't. It's the invisible plane. Oh, we can't see it. <laughs> we screwed up that joke. Uh, the invisible jet. Yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere in this film. Uh, it it does have a much better explanation in, in a later film, and I'm not going to say which one it is, but I think you guys know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it. The way it's done in that film is like you don't realize that it's the invisible jet until the very end. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the scenes I wanted to bring up that I thought was kind of cool is the one where uh, there's this giant bat who has uh, a Wonder Woman in its, in its claw, and Steve Steve is on the back and he's like he's like walking up the thing's spine and he throws a grenade into the thing's mouth and it explodes. And that was, I think that was like my one favorite action shot in the whole movie. That was a good action shot, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Ben, final thoughts on Wonder Woman 2009. This really is one of the best projects that uh, the DC animated uh, original uh, movie team has done. The, this really is. It, it just is near perfect with how how the animation style is, the animation consistency, the character designs, the voice acting, the 
the clever humor, the running gag, the running gag of crap. I mean, the part where Ares grows big and is, and is about to smash Wonder Woman, and, and Wonder Woman just looks up and says, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everybody laughed when they saw that, right? Yes, that was wonderful. Yeah, that was so awesome. Uh, you know, this movie up to now probably would be my number one pick out of all the ones that we've reviewed so far. Uh, Justice League New Frontier is like a close tie with this, but this one, you know, just as Ben said, with the way the story is told, with the way the animation is, I much prefer it when they do full-on beginning-middle-end stories. No more of that breaking up different animation bullshit. (laughs) This really really is one of my favorites, and... Yeah, I, I I don't always buy DVDs, but when I do, it's just all Dosekis. But uh, in Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us here on the Tooncast Beyond Animation Aficionados crossover. There are several ways for you to get in contact with us. Visit the websites, geekcastradio.com and animationaficionados.com. You can comment on each of the episode posts. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Uh, as far as I know, with Tooncast Beyond, we're still having issues getting it into iTunes, but uh, we will put directions on how to get it in there somewhere. Uh, follow us on Twitter. The show names are Tooncast Beyond and A Aficionados. Mine is TFG and Mike. Uh, ben protects his Twitter like a mother protects her hen, uh, and Neil just doesn't give a shit. Uh, because... Neil is the is the honey badger of Twitters. <laughs> oh, geez. it is Neil Sama. And by the way, I did I. Uh, Hal Hefner added me after we did that, so apparently it does. Like somebody did care enough to hear what my Twitter awesome. name was. Yeah, become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com/geekcastradio-network for us, and facebook.com/animationaficionados for them. Uh, call our voicemail line five zero two five two six five eight two one. Tell us the show you're leaving the message for and your name. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tooncast Beyond and Animation Aficionados crossover. Wish you'll join us next time when we will be continuing the DC Universe animated original movie spotlight with Green Lantern First Flight, where Steve Megatron will be joining us for the rest of the spotlight. For now, I am TFU and Mike with... Jeebies, Mr. Neal. And Ben, the host. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Good night. Adios. He didn't, uh, do, a little, he didn't do a little bang. I could change it up every now and then. Okay. not polite to hit a lady oh have you guys checked out uh thomas wilson tom wilson better than you on netflix no but i did check no. out that you, you know about his question song right yeah I, I actually watched him perform that live once well his is special on netflix tom wilson i think it's it's either better than you or bigger than you better uh, than you he does that song at the very beginning um, and what what i love is you know he he's also a voice actor, just just like uh, just like everybody else. He he's done voice acting, but something about the Back to the Future games turned him off to where he's like, I'm not voice acting in this. <laughs> he and he did everything else under the sun, but when they came to him, he's like, Hey, Tom, you know this? He's like, No, I have standards. <laughs> wow. Eh, whatever. All those people are really going to remember him for is you know manure. So. 
Manure well, and butthead. Well, yeah, can you call my friend a butthead on his answering machine? Yeah. Questions, questions, just fill my head. Yeah. Went to my doctor, my doctor said. Yeah. Was that real manure? No, it wasn't. Yeah. Was that real manure? I, I saw the no. special. Thank you. Was that real manure? It's a movie. <laughs> the point is, if you haven't seen his comedy special, it's on Netflix. It's hilarious. Um, he's just a really, really great stand-up comic. So, How's Christian Glover? Never talk to him. Kind of creepy. Back to the future for not happening. Yes. So stop asking me the questions. Yeah. Yes, I actually... Stop singing this song. <laughs> oh, unlike you, I'm not tone deaf. <sighs> Well, I'm like you. I've actually seen the thing, so I don't need a reprise. I saw him perform the song live at a comedy club, so shut up. <laughs> and now, more of our conversation about video games with Kitty Hawk. Would you have rather they made the uh, Neptune? Oh, man, the Neptune. I remember, wasn't that the... Um... It's the standalone 32X. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They almost made that, but they made a, a really cool... Um... Like well, they made a Genesis CD, uh, CD combo for America that wasn't the Wonder Mega. That was pretty sweet looking. It was kind of like teardrop shape, if I think. Mm. If I'm remembering correctly. Let's see this thing. Oh, here it is. The Multi-Mega. Almost looks like a, uh, a beefy uh, Walkman, but... Yeah, and I, I like that. That's That was just so beautiful. I wish I could get one, but... Never seen one for sale. Does, yeah. does this actually have guts in it, or is this just a case mock-up? No, this is real. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. It's because I, yeah. I guess the Neptune was just a case mock-up. No, no. This this was actually released, and let's see. How much was this freaking thing? It was expensive as all hell, if I remember. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was $400 in 1994, which is like, that was the price of a of a Saturn, which had just come out. So it's like, <laughs> why would I buy this? Yeah. Oh man. Apparently it also could be used as a CD player. Like just like as a Walkman, if you put three double AA batteries in there. And how quickly did that chug through batteries? I think like 15 minutes. God damn. <laughs> you make it through the fucking CD. That is the stupidest idea ever. Yeah. Well, who built, who built the Saturn? I know. Aliens. Exactly. Who convinced them that that was a good idea? Well, they, well, I mean, they, they did. They Sega Santanjiro was just born. Yeah, Sega Santanjiro. Sega Santanjiro. Yeah. Sega Santanjiro. Oh, Kitty Hawk, I've been meaning to ask you because I just need to know. You live in Japan. You mm. pronounce it Sakura or Sakura? Sakura. Okay. Yeah, um, that's how I heard it. So okay, I think it's, it's a... because it's because like uh, it's like you try to make it as flat as possible. Okay, it's this, you know when we're talking about movie tunes, I sort of stumbled on how to say the Street Fighter character is Sakura. Sakura's name. I said Sakura or Sakura or I don't know. She's named after a flower petal. Say how I mean. I say anime, even though it's anime, but you know whatever. Angle, it's anglicized now, so it's anime. I gave Neil manga. a slight hard time about saying manga. Oh, that's okay. I was like, manga, Neil? Oh, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I, I don't usually care about pronunciation. 
Yeah. I think Sakura is the only exception, just because Sakura sounds so stupid. Well, that's how that's how basically most Americans say it, though. Un- unfortunately. Yeah, because it, we have the uh, in English like da 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 instead of da 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 da. Yeah, like Sakura, Sakura, Sakura. Yeah, Sakura, Sakura. Yeah, say it as fast as possible. Yeah, basically. Uh... This this episode, I don't know how long we're gonna go, but I really don't care about the length. So we're just gonna talk okay. about video games. Yeah, so if we can go epic length if we want. Okay. Oh right, epic, Yay! epic, epic, and, epic mega games. Do you remember epic? Just, what? You remember epic mega games? Uh, vaguely. They made Jazz the Jackrabbit. Oh uh, yeah, Jazz the Jackrabbit. Which is not a Sonic recolor. No, 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 no. Because he had a freaking gun. Yeah, totally different. So he's like Shadow. Yeah. Except cool. Before Shadow. Except so, cool. Well, that was like some shareware at like uh, Walmart. Cool. I mean, you're there. You're like, whoa, look at this. Games for like five bucks. I get like 300 of them. Look, there's Jazz the Jackrabbit on there. Well, that's what id, Apogee, and uh, Epic did back then. They Oh, man, it was excellent. That was, like, the best way to get games. I mean, you could get Doom for, like, ten bucks. and Oh, you could also yeah. get the... Uh, let's see here. Oh, boy, I remember all these old PC games that were shareware. Like, the original Duke Nukem was... Mm-hmm. And Duke Nukem 2 was shareware. The, the original Duke Nukem 2 actually... In my opinion, the Duke Nukem series sort of failed in comedy after two because after that it just started being more gross and being more obscene just to be obscene and stop being funny. Because in Duke Nukem two, the aliens abduct Duke to get to get tactical information from him <laughs> while he was being interviewed about his latest book called Why I Am So Great. So you so you don't like you don't like three D? No, because it's not quite as funny as the Duke Nukem that that. Wrote a book called Why I Am So Great and has a nuclear molar. Oh, well, that's good, too. But Duke Nukem 3D is hilarious. I mean, he's spouting at Ash Williams lines. I know. That's hilarious. I mean, and I remember playing it and thinking it was the funniest thing ever. I mean, maybe it was because I was a teenager. and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is excellent. But it was just also kind of fun. I mean, it was a, a guy spouting Ash lines and there's strippers and pig aliens. I love that I love that game. It's excellent. Yeah, like I said, I I was mainly a PC gamer. My my PC gaming really came in, you know, 1989-1990 when with two game titles which I became a very hard fan of, you know, uh Origin Systems Wing Commander Ooh. and uh and Dizzy. No. Okay. Uh, and Sierra Online's Quest for Glory. Oh, I remember that one. Well, what I love about Quest for Glory is this: it's a, it's it's what I call the first true RPG. And lots of people get upset with me for saying that, but let me explain this. Uh, everyone's familiar with uh, Sierra Online's other Quest series, like King's Quest, oh, yeah, Space yeah. Quest, Police Quest. You would think that that system, you know, the underlying system that built those games isn't very robust. Am I right? Hmm? You, um, you would think that the underlying system that built those games isn't extremely robust if it can just make a point-and-click adventure game, right? No, I, I would think I it's, pretty, it's pretty up to the task. Well, Quest for Glory was made by the same system that made 
King's Quest. Yeah. And it had progressive game days, which means as time passes as you play, time oh, passes okay. the game. It has a, your character, the id, you, the ego character that you're playing, has to be fed and sleep every day or else he'll die. And realistic stat building, which means if you want your character to be stronger, he has to do a lot of tasks that are, require physical exertion. Okay, okay. Yeah, I see what you're getting at. And this was in a game that was built with the same system that made King's Quest in 1989. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of programming in that is for a system that's designed just to do, you know, just to do uh, solve puzzle win game to to do that. And also, I forgot to mention, you know, real time fighting engine. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty excellent. I mean, but I, I've never I've only heard of this game. I've never actually played it, but. And uh, well, it's it's crazy. very it's, it's a crazy. It also has a great sense of humor because uh, what I love well, all, about this. All their games did. What I love about this era is everybody that in the, in the game industry, you know, at LucasArts, at Sierra Online, anywhere, the people who are doing the art, the people who are writing the music, are also the people who are writing the story are also the programmers. I mean, yeah. um, you know, Leisure Suit Larry. The theme for Leisure Suit Larry was actually written by Al Lowe. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, it, that used to be how things were done. Like, basically, the designer was usually the head programmer. And but, I think that that's what a lot of games have lost their charm because there's a lot of that wit that's lost because only programmers have that kind of wit, I think. Well, it, it's it's mostly that I think the teams aren't as cohesive as they once were. Because, like, if you think about it, like, a, a team used to only be, like, max 15 people. Usually it was only, like, three people or five people. But now it's like, with most games, it's like you got like a thousand people working on a game, and they they probably don't talk to each other. So yeah. that that kind of you kind of lose stuff, like you lose like control, like you can't make the style mesh well with the story or something like that. Yeah, and I think that's what's missing. Yeah, and uh, just just for an overview of what the Quest for Glory series is like, is you play a character whom you can name who he can either be a fighter, a magic user, or a thief. And the gameplay changes drastically based on the class. Like, as a thief, you can go through all the games without one battle because a thief can just sneak around. Yeah. And, and uh, the, the character is, in the backstory, it's hilarious. The character is a graduate of the famous Adventurer's Correspondence course. <laughs> so the idea is he learned to be a hero through mail order. So, and... Uh, and I just love that humor because they also include a humor a joke about the uh, the Maltese Falcon in all in all the games too. Oh yeah, kind of funny. And uh, this game has such a following it, that uh, all four games, well, actually all five games were made. And out of the five games, only one of them didn't wasn't made in VGA or didn't have a VGA remake. The fans did a VGA remake just a few <laughs> years ago. And, Excellent. Uh, and I'm going to just show you the trailer for the VGA remake of Quest for Glory Two. Let's see. Um, I didn't play many PC games growing up. Like the only one I can think of is like Uncharted Waters Two, oh. and that was just mainly because my brother had bought it, and like I just played it occasionally. I, I played a lot of the early MMOs, like uh, Meridian Fifty Nine. Actually, mm. played that and uh, EverQuest. But I don't know consoles. I always liked consoles because, well, one, I grew up on those because like I had an Intellivision. And then I had a Nintendo, and then I had a Super Nintendo, and then I bought a PlayStation, which I regret. (laughs) 
I wish I had bought a Saturn, but I was like, no, 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 Final Fantasy VII is going to be great. It's going to be oh, uh, Oh, but uh, yeah, like, what I love is the Quest for Glory 2 remake is free to download, nice. free to play, because the current owners of the uh, brand have agreed to this. Oh, well, that's excellent. Because, well, and also, like, who's really going to want to play this except for, like, hardcore fans who are going not, yeah, who are going to distribute it anyway, so. And uh, what I also love about it is you can play the same hero through all five games because everything imports from game oh, one nice. to game two to game three. And like I said, this this is built off of the adventure engine from from Sierra back at, that was made in the in the late eighties. I mean that I know. Well I mean like uh let's LucasArts uh scum, they used that for like how many years did they use that? They used it for, for ten years. Yeah. Longer than that. I mean and other people have used scum to build to build games. So I mean that was back when people would build their own little well, I mean, people still do that. There's still, like, Unreal Engine and things like that. It's just, right. There just isn't as many of them, I think, because there aren't internal ones like there used to be. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, like, but, yeah, what do, you, what do you think of just watching that the trailer for the remake? That's pretty excellent. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty good um, update to the graphics. And, I mean, I'm always impressed with when I see, like, fan works like this, like, the way I play Secret of Mana um, 2 or, you know, Seiken Densetsu 3 was I had to play a fan translation because they never brought it to the United States. Yeah. Which was the most irritating thing ever. Yeah. Just just one more note about the Quest for Glory 2 remake and then we'll move on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is there's a joke in all the Quest for Glory games that there are five elements in this world. It's uh, fire, earth, water air and the fifth element is not uh, is not a ukrainian woman it is not heart it is pizza that makes sense and the the funny part of the joke is in the in quest for glory 2 there's a there's an evil wizard that's making elementals which is which are living beings made only of only one element so you had to fight for the elementals and as an easter egg in the in the fan remake they hid somewhere in the remake a pizza elemental for you to fight. Oh, nice! <laughs> that's cute. So that, that's pretty cute. So I, I just thought that was most excellent. So I just wanted to share that. And I lived through the uh, FMV age before oh. most console gamers had to. Oh man, uh, yeah the the Sega CD days. Well, actually, the first FMV game I played was... Uh, no, no, I know that they were earlier on the PC, because... No, the first one I played was actually Wing Commander 3, starring uh, Malcolm McDowell, oh, Mark I Hamill, and Tom Wilson. Mark Hamill, he was the hardest working man in voice acting during that time, doing yeah. Batman the Animated Series and pretty much every single voice at LucasArts. Yeah, it's. I just remember that because it's like, well, Wing Commander Three is. I love the gameplay, but the the acting is kind of terrible, and the sets were so fake. Dude, dude that was how FMVs were like. They were terrible. Well, four, four actually is like they spent like a shit ton of money on four, and they actually built real sets, sets and shit. Oh yeah, I remember that. But 
I just remember FMV being terrible, but I loved it anyway because it was like, oh, man. Yeah, now, what I loved was they, they started putting moral choices in there. You had to, like, make one decision or the other, and that <laughs> was a moral choice in the FMVs. You know what I'm talking about, right, Neil? Vaguely, yeah. It's a, And then I remember Mist, and I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, boy. I got I, that for the Saturn. I was so pissed off. It's like, so What is this? Boring! I got that for PC. That's one of the few games I did get for PC. But I remember I just, I remember I waited until it was really cheap because I said to myself, I know this is going to be boring and I don't want to spend a lot of money on this. I, I just want to ask an honest question. Would you know what to do with that game without a fucking walkthrough? I mean, it was fun to, to sort of wander around. I mean, especially like with the sequel, Riven. But even with a walkthrough, I just... I just did not like Mist. It just was so boring. It was it was beautiful. It was a really cool concept, but like it wasn't. I I think part of it was that I didn't like the load times. And I think like nowadays, if you were to do something, you could do a really awesome adventure game because you could have really cool three D graphics. You could probably do Mist right now as a flash game. Exactly. You could really do it as a flash game. In fact, probably there already is a missed game that's like on iPhone, probably on iPhone or something like that already. So, but I mean, I just never liked it because it was just sort of like, all right, I'm the only person here. This game's boring. At least like in other adventure games, you know, I can interact with a few characters. It's interesting. Not, I got to guess. I've got to um, push that lever over there, but I have to press it in a certain way before I, got, I talk to a rooster. Got to hunt for pages. Yeah. It just, wow, missed. And then you finally beat the game and you discover you can beat the whole game in five minutes. Yeah. The yeah, action, where, where I, all you I, have to do is just like turn in the hallway, open up an enclave, grab a page, put it in the book, and oh, you just won. Yeah, I, I did that just so that I could say I beat this game. But, yeah, I don't even remember how, how the ending goes, because, like, that's how little I like this. Well, there are two brothers that are both evil, and then the father's oh, yeah. good, but you have to find the page for the father's book, not the two oh. evil brothers book, or some other bullshit. I don't know. Right, right. And I should care why, because I don't know any of these characters. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure I would have learned about these characters if I'd wandered. Oh, how can we talk about FMV games without mentioning the biggest one ever? Night Trap? No. Oh. Bigger than that. And what? by bigger, I mean more discs. Uh, the biggest discount in ga- video game history. Uh, which which game is this? Phantasmagoria. Oh, shit, yeah. How many games did that sucker have? Let's see. Two. Phantasmagoria. It, it, uh, it, was, it was apparent, according to this, it was on the Saturn as well. Okay, how many yeah, it discs? Was all, it was all a lot of shit. Video game. Sometimes I'm really surprised what made it to the Saturn. Saturn had a lot of games. I mean, it is surprising. Yeah. Um, how many discs was this freaking thing? Twelve discs. Oh my god. Well, I mean, it 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 had a lot of dialogue. Peter Jackson involved in this. It was. It was pretty. I remember it being really. Well, it also had a lot of fake green screen sets. Yeah. Phantasmagoria 2, A Puzzle of the Flesh, is worse. 
Yeah. It has it has a smaller discount, but it's a it's a worse game. It, it, well, but I mean, how how do, how do you top this this game? So. Oh. And um, also, she didn't. She, I don't know. She she sort of lost. Roberta Williams. Yeah. Yeah, that was see what Roberta Williams actually wrote the early King's Quest games. I guess she's like. Yeah, I'm done with this medieval fantasy. Let, let's let's just have this crazy guy kill people. Which it was good. It was a it was a really good game, if I remember. Oh, what I loved was uh, see the police quest games were basically like the point and click, except you're a cop. But then there was oh my god, there was police quest SWAT, which was an FMV game, oh. and you had to follow SWAT tactics to the fucking book. Oh. Like, if you do anything wrong, I mean, the mission I remember is there's this, there's this crazy granny that's off her meds with a gun. <laughs> if you do anything wrong at all, she'll go crazy and start shooting. Oh, man. <sighs> what, what what game was this? Police Quest SWAT. Okay, yeah. Oh, man, I'm remembering those FMV shooters for um, that were originally Laserdisc games, but I've got them on 3DO. Oh, uh, man, uh, they were like Mad Dog McCree, and um, there was a police one. Do you remember the one about the time-traveling cowboy? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Wasn't wasn't that originally like in 3D or something? I like thought that was like, originally an arcade game or something. Yeah, and it was yeah, in like was 3D. 3D yeah. yeah, I remember that. It was like by Sega, I think. Sega. H- hologram? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Time Traveler, here it is. Uh, yeah, I remember this. And the only reason I remember this is because we sold a PC version of this at GameStop. Oh, boy. I know. And I was like, wait a minute, why? <laughs> because we can. Well, I mean, I guess I guess we'll just do it. I mean, Dra- Dragon's Lair gets released on everything. Why not? And then it has a, it has a play mode because everyone gets frustrated. <laughs> yeah, just just let's watch the movie and then we'll, we'll pretend we played the game. Let's see, let me find a list. So of that way you get to see Daphne. <sighs> okay, um, you just love those Don Bluth girls, don't you, Neil? I like Daphne. He's oh, more than Daphne. Well, this girl in Space Ace is pretty good too. See, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get get excited over the, the animals. I'm not talking about the animals. Didn't he do? Didn't he do Anastasia? Oh yeah. Dick forget <laughs> about those. those. That was later. Oh man, I'd forgotten about Cliffhanger. Oh, oh, do you remember Demolition Man? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Who was reviewing that? Uh, uh, he crashed into slumber. Oh yeah, that guy. I remember what what was the big deal about the Jaguar being sixty four bit when it really wasn't sixty four bit? Oh, it was like a theoretical oh, like they they number. added something like let me let me look that up. They they, they did they did some sort of shady number adding to like come up with sixty four bits when they were like bullshitting. Well, it was like similar to like the TurboGrafx sixteen. I'm saying it was sixteen bit when it was like an eight bit graphics processor, I think, and like an eight bit processor. Yeah, so like. I think it was like a six. There was a sixteen-bit processor in there somewhere, but it wasn't like what you would normally think of as like. It was not the main component of the uh, of the console. Yeah, let me let me see because like I remember that and it was hilarious. Yeah. 
It had a 16-bit graphics processor. However, it did not have an eight, uh, like a 16-bit, like processor. So technically, it was eight-bit. Holy shit! Those controllers are bigger than the Duke. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and for the for the listeners, the Duke is the nickname for the first original American Xbox controller. Which I got a, I got some of those, and I traded because. Um, I knew a guy who actually liked the Duke, so I uh, I traded my Dukes so I could get some S's. Put up your Dukes. Yeah, put up my Dukes. Give me your S's, because yeah. my hands are small. And, uh, was it Kevin Nash? No, no, no. Actually, it was, I mean, this guy was like, I think he was like six foot five, so he was like the perfect demographic for Did the he original. Did cowboy hat? I can retroactively change my memory so he can, so then it will it will, it will look funny. But no, no. Yeah, this was something that a lot of the a lot of the video game uh, journalism groups were calling hand controller ratio. I mean, it, I remember my brother liked the controller, but that's because he's six foot eight, and so his hands are like he could grab my head. Well, how tall are you, Kitty Hawk? If I if you don't mind me asking, I'm five seven. Okay. Yeah, so I'm it's I'm very tiny compared to the rest of my family. I'm the well, smallest. Five respectable for a woman. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, when everyone else is, like, six foot, you feel kind of short. Like, I'm tiny compared to everyone else. <laughs> but then you go into the world and it's like, oh, I'm so big. It's like a fairy tale. Think about Final Fantasy VII. That was uh, I try not to. Well, cloud oh my god like i played final fantasy 7 and i'm like all right i do not like the main character at all this game is going nowhere i didn't like i didn't like aries at all because she was just sort of like i'm just gonna go run away and pray she was just there like she was this plot yeah was the one that's fucking kicking ass and taking names i know that's who i who i would always go for like on the date thing like you know when you got to choose your date yeah, well, I did. I did that a couple of times. But... See, I know you, Kitty Hawk. I know you. No, I, I did it as soon as I found out about it. I was like, "Hell yes, we're doing that." But uh, do you have a permanent game save at that point in the game? No, because my I had a cheap third party memory card oh. constantly lost its saves. Oh. oh, I was stupid. Eventually, yeah, uh, the, eventually, I did get a PlayStation One. Final Fantasy VII was so big that they actually made a shitty PC port. God, I remember that box. And oh, and then Final, my brother played Final Fantasy VIII on PC. Now I bought Final Fantasy VIII, uh, and that game. Talk about emo. That's more emo that, than Cloud. Okay, that game caused me to not play video games for six months. I Damn. played that. I played. I think. I can't remember how far I got into that game because I pretty much blocked the entire game out of my head. And Emo I just was Squall. Yeah. I Can just, we just I rant remember. about Squall for a minute? Because, you know, God. that character, I felt so insulted by that game because Squall's actually skewed older than Cloud, and yet he's less mature. And I'm like, you know, I'm older. Why yeah. is this my protagonist? Oh, well, let, me, let me just say that, that was, the, was, the dub was... version of Eyes on You is like a cat howling. Yeah. Well, I remember I remember watching the intro with the gun blades, and I was like, okay, gun blades? Seriously, game? Okay, whatever. <laughs> you break your wrist. I, I, I'm just saying this as a guy that actually understands swords and had to make one or two ones. But uh, 
It's no, you break your wrist. It's you, you have to... like I don't even want to think about gun blades, but it's I, I I was like okay okay, and I remember just playing the game for a little bit, and then it had the lunar the lunar leveling system, except that you had to fight in order to get the stupid spells. So I was like, this is stupid. What about everything? Everything about that? Well, okay, I like Triple Triad, the little card game that was in there, and I actually played the real life version. Oh, you know what? You know what the what Square Game had. Okay, I I grew up and I actually enjoyed Xenogears the first time I played it, and then I played it again. Hmm. And after I played it again, I realized this game is shit because the first disc is great, and then all of a sudden there's the second disc. There was a lot of there was a lot of that at Square, and that was actually just a. You, you, you know what the second disc of Xenogears is? You go out for dinner with your friends and family, come back three hours later, and then you're ready to play the game again. Yeah. And there's also a speed card game in there, too. The speed card game. forgot about that. Yeah, it's uh, where you where you run around on giant cards, you have to play speed by running around on cards. It's... I, I, I play... I remember playing that game, but I cannot, like, it's been so long since i played i didn't even play xenosaga because i remember hearing oh there's 30 minute cutscenes," and i'm like fuck that i am not playing the game with 30 minute cutscenes. no thank you and then there's I mean, middle I'll play, solid too i'll play a game that has a two hour fight scene like fight that like a battle like panzer dragoon saga okay this game is like rare because they only like released five thousand in america it was for Saturn. And this is like one of my favorite games of all time. And it has a two hour long battle. And I thought at first I thought, okay, I guess I'm supposed to just lose to the dragon. And like, then I get like, you know, like in final fantasy, sometimes they're just battles. You couldn't win. No, you had to fight for two hours and can you're you just pause. Yeah, you can pause. But the oh, thing is geez. like, it's like you put it down and you're like, I'm going to have to come back to this. But you want to because it's it's like the way the battle system works is you're basically on a uh, a cardinal point system around the boss. And you can basically move into any of these four slots, but you have to use one of your um, – you basically build up a meter, and you have to use some of your meter in order to move. So you're basically move, <coughs> trying to stay out of the red spots. And to do this, you have to keep moving around the stupid dragon like constantly – and then when you can finally get in a shot, you shoot it at the dragon, and then you're back to spinning around the dragon again. And it's like nail-biting, even though this is basically like a really simple tactics RPG. Oh, it's, that reminds me. Uh, there was an MMO. I forgot which one it is. Kitty Hawk might know, the, know it just by the story, where mm-hmm. there's this boss, like a giant dragon, that is is not invincible per se, but its stats are so insane that it's practically invincible. And there was, people, the people who made it were like, oh, no one's going to fight this dragon. It's just here to just sort of cough, mm-hmm. cough an area. And these players came up with a strategy and, and tactics and stuff and fought this dragon for like 16 hours. And oh, they, that they was were the... like one strike away from winning. And then and then the, the company like pulled the plug for five minutes just to keep them from winning because because they didn't have an idea of what would happen if they won. I think something like that was like in Final Fantasy XI, there was like a boss. Wait, no, there was a boss that took 24 hours and that was built into the game. Now, but that oh. might, that sounds, that sounds like one of those early things. Like it might have been either EverQuest or, or Final Fantasy because 
I would have remembered if that was in World Warcraft. I think it I was, actually was World of Warcraft. Maybe it was. Let me look this up because I don't remember that. Now, I remember there was a 24-hour battle in Final Fantasy XI, which was just... No, no. The, the intent was you weren't supposed to win this battle at all. But because they stat, they stat this dragon so impossibly high, and then all of a sudden <laughs> these players, like, like a whole team of players from all over the United States got together and like, we're going to do this. And they play had the strategy. They were, they were over it the might, It might've been world of Warcraft. I do remember this story. Now I do know about like epic. Blizzard like pulled the plug when they were one strike away. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like blizzard though. That sounds more of a Sony type thing to do because Sony, I think it was Sony who did. Who, yeah. Then it was ever, then it was EverQuest. Because, yeah. yeah, I think it was EverQuest, because I remember that was pretty early on, because that was before the idea of a very long battle. Because I remember, I, I played Meridian 59, the first, one of the first MMOs, and that thing was, that thing was, so, you know, I look back at it, and I'm like, that game was so shitty, but it was like, oh my god, I'm playing a 3D game with other people, this is so amazing, I can kill rats! But, uh... Yeah. And then there's EverQuest, which... Evercrack. Oh, yeah, and I played Ultima Online before that. Oh, man. Oh, man.